Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Gantis here, your host for Behind the Pen. I hope everyone is doing well today. As you know, Behind the Pen is for anyone who holds a pen. You can be an artist, a writer, illustrator, tattooist, musician, editor, and the list goes on. Uh, I am an award-winning author of 14 books. I'm an award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I host the Artist First radio network show, Author Assist, and I also run Author Assist, which helps authors everything from brainstorming an idea to publishing and then the marketing and promotion behind it. Today, I have a very special guest. I'm very excited to talk with her. It's Marianne uh, Shukot. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me to come on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, once I heard what uh, you do, which we will talk about, um, then uh, I needed to speak with you. So um, the question I ask all my guests is, what do you use your pen for? I use my pen to write novels and short stories. Wonderful. Hmm. Wonderful. That's good. Um, when I've said this before in other shows, but when, when you have that creative talent creative juices it's not normally just one thing you might be so good at writing but you also have another little gem hiding behind that maybe you don't concentrate on but you do have a talent for so is it drawing singing is it uh playing an instrument do you have any other artistic talent hidden well, I've learned how to make pretty graphics with Canva, if that counts. There I learned how to podcast. Well, there podcast. you go. I mean, yeah, you've got to be artistic for that. Uh, if you can, I can uh, do a website. There you go. There you go. So, so a graphic designer as well as an author. Perfect. So, um, let's let's talk a little bit about your your work. Uh, when did you? When were you first published? When could you call yourself? a published author. How long ago was that? And what was it for? Well, the very first time I published something was in high school. I published an article in the school newspaper. My goal in high school was I was, I was going to grow up to be a journalist. I took (gasps) a class in journalism and the teacher failed me. Oh no. I I have no idea why, because I was like an A student, but he failed (sighs) me. I had to go to summer school Oh my and then gosh. after I got my article published in the school newspaper. So that was like my first taste of being published. And then I went on to work as a, like a freelance um, reporter or a straight Oh, wonderful. So you got to do it then. So I did. I got to uh, see my, my byline, which was incredibly exciting when that first yeah. happens. And then I worked, um, I gave all that up to become a nurse Wow. And then my my hospital started a newsletter for the nursing department, and it was awful. So I said, "Can I? I can help you with this." 
yeah, I can help you with this. And the woman in charge said, please help. And she, she let me take the whole thing over. So I was able to create a newsletter. And then that it was, was during that time. Yeah. yeah, that was a volunteering. Wow, beautiful. That, yeah. And then during that time, I came up with the concept for my first book. And I wrote that and published it 2013. It was 2013. Yeah, I held the actual book in my hand. and, and Tell me what that felt like. Tell me what Gosh. that felt It's just... It's just amazing because there was so many. I wrote the book and I finished the first draft in 2004. So it was a very long journey. And yeah. It was a book about... Um, it, was a no, it is a novel about Alzheimer's and <gasps> nobody would touch it. So um, I just played with it for several years, wrote some new things. And then finally, somebody said, why don't you just publish it on Kindle? Because the Kindle was getting taken off at the time. And she, my friend had done that and she did well with it. So I said, well, what have I got to lose? So that's what I did. I put it up on Kindle. And then the next thing you I know, people were Indian reading author. it. They, yeah, they were buying it. People were writing reviews and sending me emails that they liked the book. We didn't know what to expect. And so it just went from there. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what to expect. When you start writing, you don't know how long it's going to be. It could be a short story, it could be novella, or it could be a full novel. And then you you have to write on a subject that's, uh, especially as a debut novelist, something that really is close to you and something that you can get across because you're passionate about that subject. Um, but I can see the niche that that was a problem with, with trying to get a publisher because you were in a niche. You were instead of doing a non-fiction book about Alzheimer's, you put it into a, a novel. I'm, I'm assuming about family drama and stuff like that happening. Yes. Um, so yeah, you're in a niche, and that would have been difficult. So the best thing you did was go indie, which uh, um, is what many authors do when they they're pushed away from. Uh, the uh, traditional publishing houses um, and we're doing better we're doing better for it we are we, 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 are. we, we are just well ahead of these uh, traditional um, top five indie houses uh, publishing houses indies are taking over and that's what I like to see I've been in this business for 28 years oh, wow. I was 20 when I held my first paperback in my hand um, wow <laughs> I can still remember yeah. what it felt like because every time you get that new book, it doesn't change. No, it's you same. still cry, you still hug it, you're still jumping up and down on the bed or whatever. You know, you are running around the house acting like an idiot, and it doesn't matter <laughs> how many books you publish, it never changes because you've put so much work into that book to finally have it there in your hand to know that people are going to read it. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to review it. And it's your work. It's your baby. And that's just so powerful to have that uh, that feeling and that opportunity to do it. So what came after your first novel? I did some short stories. Mm -hmm. I had written a short story that won a contest. In oh, lovely. So um, I started writing these short stories that were based on my childhood experiences. So I published a couple of those and another short story about for Christmas. And then I embarked on a massive project to write a novel about girls varsity swimming because my daughter was a swimmer. She swam for 11 years in high school, college and club. Club swimming started it all. 
And I just was, we were fully involved in that. And while I sat there on the bleachers cheering her on, I concocted this story of um, this girl swim team. And I worked on that for, I think it was five years or so. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter was in her junior year of college. And I was said, you know, you got to get, you got to finish this thing because she's going to graduate next year and it won't be in swim, you won't be anymore so I did I managed to finish it it ended up being 593 pages wow uh-huh. 100 and pages every girl, year <laughs> yeah girl, girls write to me and they said that one girl, little girl wrote to me and said I read your book in four days she was 11 years old oh I read your book in four days she told me I was like are you oh. kidding my, my name is Ava and I'm a swimmer and I, I'm 11 years old and I read your book in four days it's the best book I ever read Oh my like, gosh, that when was you it. get a review like that, yeah, that you know you've done it. something right. Yeah, that was that was the one. So what, what's the name of your two books, your first two books? The first book is called uh, Blue Hydrangeas, an Alzheimer's Love Story. Mm. And the second one is called Swim Season. Huh. Okay, short yeah. but sweet. And, and, and both then, of those are indie. Both oh, yeah. are indie. Yeah. Yeah, they're all indie. And then I wrote a, what is a prequel to Blue Hydrangeas, which is called Christmas at Blue Hydrangeas. And it's a Christmas oh. story that goes back about uh, 20 or 30 years prior to the Alzheimer's. Oh, is that a novella the, or a novel? It's like a novella. And mm. the story, take, it takes place on Cape Cod and the people own a bed and breakfast. It's called Blue Hydrangeas. That's the name of the bed and breakfast. So Beautiful. now I'm writing, I'm writing another one called A Wedding at Blue Hydrangeas. Which I'm ah, you're carrying it on. Yeah. People told me that they wanted to go to Blue Hydrangeas. And is, is it a real place? Oh, they wanted wow. more stories about the inn. They oh, that's wonderful. My first book, um, I had no intention of doing the sequel. I, I had a story to tell. I told it. I was happy with that. The book was published. It was out there. Uh, and then the fans just like, no, we need to, we need a sequel. We need to know what happens to Jade and Marcus. So I wrote it. And like, you've had people telling you, we need to know what happens next. And when you, you're told that by your fans, you don't ignore them. You know, <laughs> you give them no. what they want. <laughs> no, it gets your creative juices falling. You say, okay, well, what happens? And I didn't want to write about what happened to them, you know, at the end of my story, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, they were already at the end of their life. But uh, so I went back the other way. So um, when it's, I mean, you're old, most people are old when they uh, have Alzheimer's. Um, so what sort of age were they in the first book? In the first book, they were... Um, 76 and 80 mm-hmm. and this, it went back to nine years it started like nine years that the book starts on the day she receives her diagnosis or they received mm-hmm. the diagnosis because they were together and then skips nine years ahead to his you know struggles trying to be a caregiver on his own take care of his wife and keep up with wow yeah. and and then the the uh, third book well the christmas one you go back again to when they were younger and yeah they're like they? in their 50s at that point right. they Enjoying life. yes they bought this house they wanted a bed and breakfast on cape cod that was their dream so then oh. they had achieved that so they're in that house and it's fairly new at the time of that story it's only they've only been in a few years 
And and now the one you're working on is going back to when they first met and marriage and everything, yeah? Nope, it's nope. about the, uh, no, it goes back to that same time in the 70s, it's 1979. And um, in the Christmas story, what happens is their son is in college. He's a graduate student and they hadn't, hadn't been home in a while. And he was coming and he was bringing a friend, he told them, to stay for the holidays. <laughs> so she's expecting <laughs> she's expecting a, a man, a young man to join her son. And when he shows up, he's got a young woman. And so she immediately um, falls in love with this woman and is envisioning having there having a wedding at the end. So the next book is their wedding at the end. So how how far are you into it now? How how far are you gone so far? Well, I've been stuck on the last chapter for months. <gasps> oh no! I have right. the last chapter to write. I haven't been able to write it, and so I made up my mind that this week I was going to finish it today. Where were you stuck? What, what do you do? think is giving you that block? I don't just know because it, there's it. like a lot of yeah. There's I know how it ends, but there's just like. In the story, there's like all these little mishaps that happen and some some major that are disruptive to the whole plan for the wedding. And um, when I was writing, I started writing the story in 2018, December. And then in March of 19, my daughter became engaged. So then we were making a real wedding. <laughs> and I so I put my book aside and we went through and we did all that. And then was the pandemic. And, you know, I was just involved in other things so I finally decided to get back to it and when I did my character is the mother of the and I was the mother of the bride so I was kind of like had to rethink the whole thing from her point of view yeah you know, the groom's mother you step and, into um, their shoes yeah yes I had to become her and not the mother of the bride and so the the bride in the story her parents are deceased so this Sarah the character she assumes many of the roles that the bride's mother would have assumed no. she was living. So that was kind of nice. They would become very close. And so then I'm stuck at the end. And like all of the um, little issues have been resolved. And we're just going so to have a lovely day. it's going to be day. a beautiful wedding. Happy ever after. That's <laughs> all you've that's got to write. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to end because um, they get married on the 4th of July. And they, <laughs> they have the fireworks on the beach. So everybody in the wedding is going to go down to the beach in the evening Beautiful. watch the fireworks that's how it's gonna end there you go you've got, got it, it you, you're not I you're not gotta, blocked yeah you sometimes can sometimes i think sometimes you don't want to finish the story you know because you like oh. living in that world you know you're, yeah i, I mean, like to be in their it's world been, it's been going for a few years now it's going to be feel weird you know saying goodbye to the characters i know it's hard Although I do have an idea for a, for a sequel. So <laughs> you won't let them go. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Sometimes they just get hold of you and they just won't let you go. Um, so where can people find your books right now? They're on Amazon and I um, publish through draft to digital So they're on a lot of their oh, bookstores like Brilliant. Apple. Yeah, Apple. Um, That's the best. Uh, Blue, Hydra Blue Hydrangeas is not on Um draft to digital yet because I hate to admit it but I can't find my word doc for that book it disappeared did you have an editor no you did the editing yourself what about an old computer I mean, a long time ago I looked I mean I've looked everywhere I have all the other files I have the Mobi, the EPUB the PDF I have all of that well 
that's all you need to convert it back into a Word document. What do I do? You can um, go straight on to uh, draft to digital and I think you can use a PDF on there. They've changed it now. Hmm, I'll try that. I think I tried to do that before and it wouldn't, wouldn't go through. Yeah, try that. Plus, plus I want to update the update it now. And I you want to update that. it now? <laughs> mm. It's okay. a problem, but no, I do have no, a system. It's, it's, it's not. You can. I'm sure you can use PDF. And if you can't, then you convert your PDF or your EPUB into MS Word, and I can send you the link for that uh, program that does that for free. Is that Calibri? No, Calibro does it, yeah, but it's not the one I use, but yeah, Calibro okay, does yeah. it as well. That'd be great. Okay. You send me that. I will. I right, appreciate let's that. get on great. with your podcast. Tell me all about it. Okay, so my podcast, it's called Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, an all's author's podcast. And I need to back up because the story um, of the podcast started with my collaborating with some other authors to promote our books because we were in such a narrow niche and it was really hard. Um, not only it's, it's a narrow niche and then it's about a subject that even the people who were living with it, they don't want to talk about talk it either. Talk about it. <laughs> so it was kind of like, yeah. oh boy, what, how are we going to get our books out? So I had reached out to these women that I uh, met online on Twitter, mainly because we'd all written books on this subject. And I said, you know, would you be interested in cross promoting together? Maybe we could um, help each other. By you know, blogging, sharing blog posts, sharing our tweets and Facebooks, and they were all in. So we did that. And then um, about a year later, you know, we used June. It's Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. So we said, instead of doing this, why don't we just start a blog and we'll spotlight a new author every day for June, Monday to Friday, a new author every day of a book about Alzheimer's and dementia. Can, maybe we can do that. So we did. We didn't know where we were going to get these books or authors who were going to write for us. But at the end of the month, we ended up having more. So wow. we said, well, we just keep going, but we'll just do it once a, once a month, uh, once a week. So once a week, we have a new author of a new book on uh, Alzheimer's dementia related. And um, we've been doing that since 2016. So now we have over 300 authors. That That's amazing. Promote. And we work to not only promote their work, but to um, assist them because a lot of them are indie pubbed. Remember, because this is not a very popular genre for people. Yeah. So we uh, we we help them. We we show them and teach them. You know, like I taught a class the other day how to get book reviews. So. Um, they attend that. I recorded it. So now they have, we have a private link on YouTube for them to watch that video. And that's and wonderful. Stuff like that. So we really are a collaboration. So then I decided, why don't we, why don't we do a podcast? And the reason for that is for the readers mainly because caregivers don't have time to read. And we figured if they can't have time to read, they may have time to listen. Listen while they're so working. So, we'll, so I interview the authors in the organization. So I have like no shortage of guests. Definitely 300 and, and counting. Yeah, I'm 11, and there's a new one every every week. So I'm I just, sure. Yeah. That's it's amazing. It, yeah. So that, that's been working out really well. And we do that and we do uh, virtual events as well. We host virtual events which have been very, very informative. And it are gives you, the authors opportunities to promote their work. Yeah. Are you getting sales from this 
is it helping when you're promoting each other? We hope so. We don't really have a way to know because, you know, we don't have access to the data, individual data for each author, but it helps them with their discoverability. Yeah, yeah. It, it publicizes who they are in their book. Um, then uh, it's up to the uh, listener or the reader whether or not they're going to. Um... Right. I mean, when you're doing that that subject, I mean, there must be lots and lots of books that are so similar with the storyline. Hmm. They do How... follow tend they tend to follow a similar storyline, but every mm -hmm. story is different because there are so many other factors involved, like the type of disease, the type of dementia. There's many, many kinds. So that would be one thing, whether or not you're caring for, you know, a woman caring for her father, her mother, her husband, a man caring for his mother, his wife, um, people caring for grandparents, people caring for two parents at the same time, people caring for their parents or spouse and raising children, working, not working, you know, where do they live? What is the economic status? That's huge. Whether or not they get supports. We have, you know, um, authors from all over the world. So there are like different stories. Some of the books have to do with, um, some of them are memoirs, a lot of them. Some of them are caregiver guides written from, you know, personal experience. We have poetry books, art books, photography wow. books. We just have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of books in a lot wow. of different ways. So people can find what they're looking for on our website. <gasps> Do you, your authors, do any of them actually have Alzheimer's? Yes. Many. That's, that's amazing. That's the most amazing thing I find about, about it is that there are at least, right now, I'd say maybe 10 authors wow. who are currently living with dementia who have either written their own book with their own pen or have had somebody write it for them. Goes right in, tell their yeah. story and they're amazing many of them are in the uk oh we have, right. a very we have a lot of authors that are from the uk so um those are the stories that are the gems everybody has to read them because they're telling you what it's like to live what in it's head like, what it really is yeah when i wrote my wow. book that was the thing i had i had to figure out how to live in her head you know, with something on brain disease that I have obviously don't have any personal knowledge of until you get there, I suppose. So, um, you so those books must be absolutely fascinating to actually really mm -hmm. step into the mind of someone who who's losing their memories and thoughts and it just must be, must be so bizarre and strange and uncomfortable to to go through that. Really some people, I think many people, once they reach a point of acceptance, you'll hear it and they'll tell you and, and a lot of the caregivers will say that there are many hidden gifts in dementia and there's still a lot of happiness and joy to be found. So mm. um, if, if you have the right frame of mind and you know what you're positive, you know, positive for, outlook. Yes. And some people, you know, like, um, you know, one of my favorite authors, Peter Berry. You know, he, he doesn't remember anything. He's never read the book that was written for him by his friend, Deb Bunt. And, you know, he's just so joyful that his dementia has allowed him to meet so many people all over the world oh. and he communicates with, with But that's people. because of you. That's because of you. you. You're the brains behind this. You're the one that started well, this. You've given so much joy to these people and to connect them all together under one banner. 
um, to promote each other, to push each other along, motivate. Um, it's, it's absolutely wonderful what you've done, Marianne. Thank you so much. But they've done a lot of the work on their own. And yeah. um, the media is much more interested in sharing their stories of the people living actually with the illness than the caregivers, I think. So, mm -hmm. you know, they get a lot of attention. One of our authors was just in a PBS documentary, um, which was amazing. And that um, is amazing. You know, wow. they, they, that would never have happened if she, if she didn't have dementia. I guess she probably would prefer not to be in the documentary, but, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they have a lot to share. And uh, they like to share. I mean, they like to be, they like the attention too. You know, they like to share their message and, and to be, uh, feel like they're still useful and helpful because most yeah, people exactly. assume that they, them, they are not. Exactly. They they're not just uh, sitting in a chair and, and doing nothing. Yeah. They're, they're being useful. They, they know that uh, what they've given out is going to be used. And that, like you said, that gives them uh, maybe not a new lease of life, but it gives them a positive outlook to the future. Right. Purpose. Because usually the first thing that goes when they're diagnosed is their, their job, their career, their yeah. livelihood, their work. Their, their nine to five routine is yeah. taken away. And now they have all these hours. Do you know how much what, depression, what do? depression you've stopped these people from having? I hope so. Because you've, <laughs> you've given them this outlet, you've given them this family. It's, oh, so. it's absolutely wonderful, darling. It really, really is. So, um, You've got the blog, you've got the podcast now, you're doing so many other uh, promotions around. What's next? What have you got in your head to take it one step further? Well, we're working on um, a number of different initiatives. Uh, my team, because I don't do this all by myself. We have Not now, um, you don't, no. <laughs> no we have a, a management team of eight. We started with three and now we have eight. And then we have other volunteers as well that do different things for us. So one of the, our latest project is um, we've always been a virtual community. We've always provided mm -hmm. like digital books and digital resources. We're going to be offering real books to real people in real places. And that's going to be through our custom, custom caregiver collections, which are books that we will... Um, put together for an organization, depending upon their needs, we select the books from the collection, which, I mean, all the books are vetted and, you know, they're all quality books. We know what's in them. And um, an organization can purchase a collection for their facility or for, for wherever, their home. And uh, we would provide the book titles, the actual physical books and a beautiful bookshelf to put them on. And our goal is for them to be brought to places where caregivers convene so that they can find the books that way. And they're real books. They're not digital books. Do you, now you've got like 300 authors, we're talking 300 books. Um, and it is a digital world in this case, but you're talking now about going into the paperbacks and hardbacks. Do you think you'll go into any of the book conventions eventually? I have no idea. That would be like a very expensive. Uh, we, I mean, we've went to one caregiver conference in the past. Uh, it's like a very expensive um, venture, and we're a nonprofit, so we don't really have funds for anything like that. Gotcha. 
Yeah. And we also well, if there's um, anything coming up that's uh, locally to you, um, then, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump at the chance. Oh, yeah, for sure. We also feature uh, blogs on our on our website, blogs and podcasts, and now we're venturing into film. So we're trying to offer caregivers a variety of resources because we know that not everybody reads. So if they could listen to a podcast or uh, maybe listen oh, to an audio book. book or watch a, mm -hmm. sit down and watch a you know short film and get something out of it, then you know we would have done our job. That's absolutely amazing. Honestly, it really is. Can you give me uh, an address where people can uh, go if they want to to find your organization? If they're if they're actually authors that have written um, a book on the subject, or they suffer from it themselves, or they're a caregiver, where can they find you? They need to go to allsauthors.com. It's A-L-Z-Authors, A-U-T-H-O-R-S.com. And then the podcast is on all the usual podcast sites and on our website and on the Whole Care Network, which we're a part of and which you can find more caregiving resources there as well. The, the podcast, what have you called it? Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, and also Authors Podcast. So you have two podcasts, one for um, people needing to know about it, needing help, needing advice, and then one for authors where they talk about their books. It's all the same podcast. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So the author comes on and they talk about their dementia journey, what motivated them to write the book, to talk about the book. We talk, you know, just about dementia in general. So people will not only learn more about the author and about their book, but they'll pick up little tidbits of information or inspiration to help them. Wow, wonderful. Mm. Okay, I will get those links at the end of this uh, video. When it goes awesome. out, it will be a video on YouTube, uh, on the YouTube show, and then later on it will be turned into an audio podcast, which of course you, it will be on all the platforms as well. Um, thank Perfect. you so much, Marianne, for your time and coming thank on the show so and much. being a guest. Thank you.